You're listening to a sermon preached at Cross and Crown in Melbourne. We believe that God speaks through the Bible and He calls us to preach the Word and proclaim His Gospel. We pray that as you listen, you will be strengthened to know, love and live for Jesus. Well, well done for reading all those names. That's good. And uh, thank you so much for having me. Um, what a year. Uh, from bushfires to COVID to the mess in the US, tensions with China, not to mention everything else that didn't make the news. What a world we live in. And while the blame game has started, uh, like who's to blame for the hotel quarantine uh, here in Victoria, or who offended who between Australia and China, what really went wrong with our world? And is there any hope for us? Well, today, as we heard, uh, Adam's asked me to kick off a new series entitled, What Went Wrong? And while he's given me Genesis 4 to speak on, uh, the real answer is actually back in Genesis 3. It's just that you've already looked at it earlier this year, I believe. Uh, But let me recap uh, before we get to our chapter. Uh, So Genesis 3 is about sin entering the world. And sin is more than just doing bad things, although it includes that. It's fundamentally about ignoring God's word and taking God's place. So if you remember, God's word to Adam and Eve was you can eat anything in the garden except one thing. Uh, So God was very generous. There's just one thing that was off limits. But then the serpent said to Eve uh, in chapter 3, verse uh, 5, Uh, He says, look, when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Uh, To know good and evil means you can then decide or determine what is good and evil. But that's God's job, isn't it? And so when Adam and Eve took the fruit, they ignored God's word. Don't eat from that and took God's place, deciding for themselves what's good and evil. Uh, It's why I often like to write the word sin um, on the next slide with a capital I. I, because the essence of sin is about ignoring. I for ignoring God and acting as though I am God. I decide what's right and wrong. And is that not the way of the world? Uh, There's even a saying out there. Have you heard this one? What's true for you is true for you. What's true for me is true for me. I mean, it gets bandied around quite often. But it implies that we are God. And we can determine what's true for me when God has determined what's true for us for our good. And it's where we take God's place by deciding what's true for ourselves. When God's God. You see, that's sin. And to go against God who made us deserves judgment. And so creation was cursed, relationships were broken, and people were separated from God. Adam and Eve had to leave the garden where they once enjoyed life as God's people in God's perfect paradise under God's loving rule. And so now there is pain and loneliness and suffering. There is disease, disaster and death. That's what went wrong with the world. 
And yet you would have seen in chapter 3 a glimmer of hope. And so uh, later on in chapter 3, verse uh, 15, um, if I can get this clicker to work, uh, God promised this to the serpent, that an offspring of Eve would strike his head, while the serpent would only strike his heel. In other words, this offspring of Eve would deliver the knockout punch, defeat the serpent, reverse the curse, and bring people back to God, enjoying God's new creation under God's loving rule. Uh, to bring people back to the garden, so to speak. And so as we come to chapter 4 today, we're looking for this offspring who might bring us back. And we need this because, as we'll see, life outside the garden is ruled by sin. That's what chapter 4 shows us. And it begins with Eve. So we're point one on your outline and uh, verse 1 in your readings. So the man was intimate with his wife Eve, and she conceived and gave birth to Cain. She said, I have had a male child with the Lord's help. And she also gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel became a shepherd of flocks, but Cain worked the ground. Uh, Now what Eve says in verse 1 sounds positive at first glance, doesn't it? But what's her first word? Bit of crowd participation. Anyone? I, yeah. And our English translations of the Hebrew are not quite right here because it literally says, I have acquired a man with the Lord. And the name Cain sounds like the Hebrew word for acquire. And she doesn't call her son a child, actually calls him a man. And the word help is not actually in the Hebrew. So I think that what Eve is really saying is, I have acquired a man just like with the Lord, just like the Lord made man back in chapter 2. I think she's claiming to have made a man just like God. In other words, she seems to be, I think, and when you compare it to how she ends the chapter, which we'll get to, I think it adds weight to this, but she seems to be um, putting her hope to reverse the curse in her achievement of her man, Cain. Which explains why she celebrates Cain's birth, but says nothing about poor old Abel, does she? In fact, the name Abel means empty, nothing, meaningless. It's the same word in Ecclesiastes, you know, meaningless, meaningless. What a name to give your son. (laughs) I mean, Cain, he could have had so much fun with this. Imagine Cain could say to Abel, how's your life going? Meaningless. How did you go in your exams? Nothing. He could have a lot of fun. But Eve's celebration of Cain, Abe's rather unflattering name, and her statement about herself, I, I think all seem to suggest Eve's hope to get back to the garden, as I said, is in her achievement and her man, Cain. But is this not a picture of humanity? Uh, where the world tells us that we can heal ourselves with positive belief and so on, or that if we believe, uh, then we can uh, be anything, like this uh, chick, I can't remember her name, says from Glee. But, but anything? 
I'd like to be a brain surgeon so I, and come up with a cure to dementia that affects so many of my church members. But just believing it's not going to make, it's not going to make it happen. Or uh, while humanity's achievement of a vaccine might solve COVID, there's still nothing that solves many other diseases or stops every disaster or even conquers death, no matter how much humanity believes it can do those things. Because these things are caused by sin. And like Cain, humanity is ruled by it. So look, point two, verse three. Uh, he, in, the, um, in the course of time, Cain presented some of the land's produce as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also presented an offering, some of the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions. The Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but he did not have regard for Cain and his offering. Cain was furious and looked despondent. The Lord said to Cain, why are you furious and why do you look despondent? If you do what is right, won't you be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. And notice here, by the way, that God still wants relationship with people, even though they've been had to leave the garden. Uh, just like he still wants relationship with people today. It's why he still accepts Abel's offering, you see. But he doesn't accept Cain's, does he? Why? Well, verse 7 says that Cain did not do what is right. So what was wrong? Uh, some people say it's because Cain offered vegetables, you know, produce of the land, uh, while Abel offered an animal or something like that. I saw a uh, cartoon, actually. Um, it says uh, Cain making... Uh, an animal shape out of vegetables and said, is, is this better, God? It's a dad's joke, I know. It's just, you'll get there, you, you blokes. Uh, but in the Old Testament, God accepts both types of animal, uh, animals, both types of offering. So it's not about the type of offering, it's more likely about the quality of the offering. Uh, you look in verse 3 and 4, we're told that Abel offered God some of the firstborn and fat portions, while Cain offered just some of the produce. In other words, Abel offered the best of what he had, while Cain offered just some of what he had. Uh, that, that's one theory. But the thing is, either way, the fact that God says to Cain, if you do what is right, implies Cain knew what was right. In other words, it seems that God told them uh, we don't see it in the text, but it, it appears that God told them how to relate to him at some point. Uh, which is why Hebrews chapter four, uh, chapter 11, verse 4. Uh, oop, I'll get you to do the slide. Sorry, this click is a bit um, temperamental. But it says, by faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. Notice it by faith. That is, it appears that Abel trusted or had faith in God's word that we haven't seen yet about how to worship him rightly. And so obeyed, offered God what was right, while Cain, it seems, ignored God's word and took God's place, deciding for himself what was right to offer God. And then he gets angry because he thinks it should have been accepted. 
It also explains why God questions Cain's anger in verse 6 and 7. Because I think Cain knew what was right. And he had no grounds really to be angry. But is this not again like humanity? When people think they can worship God their way and expect God to accept them. I mean, I've had people say to me, I'm not a murderer, so I should go to heaven. As though God accepts all other sins, even pedophilia and all that. Or I've had another person say to me, and when they found out I was a Christian, they said, oh, I have a Bible, to which I replied, oh, that's great. Um, How do you go reading it? Because it can be hard sometimes, can't it? Oh, we don't read it. We just like having it. As though God accepts us if we just have a bit of religion in our house. I noticed the Bible was on the shelf next to a little Buddha statue as well. Or another person who calls themselves a Christian said, there are many roads to God. I'm sure God will accept people from other religions. And yet he's ignored God's word that says Jesus is the only way because only Jesus died for our sins. And he's taken God's place by telling God how he should accept people, you see. We're back to sin again, aren't we? And it gets worse because after Cain is warned not to let sin rule over him in verse 7, look what happens in 8 and 9. Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. And while they're in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's guardian? Instead of ruling over sin, sin ends up ruling over Cain, doesn't it? And sends him spiraling. He actually sins worse than mum and dad. I remember chapter 3, Adam and Eve steal some fruit. Cain here murders his brother. Chapter 3, God asks, where are you, Adam and Eve? Have you eaten from that tree? And they blame each other. Oh, it was your fault. No, it was the snake's fault, and so on. Here, God says to Cain, where is your brother? And Cain now flat out lies. I don't know. And in fact, he actually has a go at God. Come on, God, am I my brother's keeper? You're asking me an unreasonable question here. In chapter 3, Adam and Eve felt shame, but here Cain feels nothing. No shame, no remorse. Chapter 3, Adam and Eve accept their punishment, but here Cain complains it's too harsh. Have a look at verse 10 and following. God said, what have you done? Your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed, alienated from the ground that opens its mouth to receive your brother's blood you have shed. If you work the ground as a farmer again, it will never again give you its yield. And so you can't be a farmer anymore. You'll be a restless wanderer on the earth. But Cain answered the Lord, my punishment is too great to bear. Since you are banishing me from today from the face of the earth, and I must hide from your presence and become a restless wanderer, on the earth. Whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord replied to him, in that case, whoever kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. And he placed a mark on Cain so that whoever found him would not kill him. Then Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Uh, Cain commits murder and deserves the same. And yet what he gets is to be a wanderer. 
and he still complains. Uh, Even his desire to be near God in verse 14 is, is not so he can have a relationship with God, it's so that he can be protected by God. He has to go out from God's presence. What if someone kills me then, he says. If I was God, I think I would have went, whoosh, whoosh, and yet God shows amazing grace, doesn't he? He God actually protects him by giving him a mark. Oh, we don't know what it was, maybe a scary tattoo, uh, which meant people would run away from him rather than kill him. But whatever it was, it was actually a mark of grace. But the point here is that Cain is ruled by sin, just like humanity. So in terms of striking the serpent's head, you know, dealing with sin, reversing the curse, well, Cain is not able Pun intended. And nor are his descendants. It's dad, I'm a dad, okay? But his descendants aren't able either. So point three, verse 17. Cain was intimate with his wife, and she conceived and gave birth to Enoch. Then Cain became the builder of a city, and he named the city Enoch after his son. Here Cain again defies God. Remember, what was he supposed to be? A... Wanderer? That doesn't look like wandering, no? Okay, he was supposed to be a wanderer, but instead he builds a city and settles down. He defies God, and then he names the city after his man, his son, Enoch. It's as though Cain is putting his hope for a better world in humanity and its advancements, like a city. But look at what happens as humanity advances. So pick it up, verse 19. Lamech took two wives for himself, one named Ada, the other named Zilhar. Ada bore Jabal. He was the first of the nomadic herdsmen. His brother was named Jubal. He was the first of all who played the lyre and the flute. Zilhar bore Tubal-Cain, who made all kinds of bronze and iron tools. Tubal-Cain's sister was Neymar. Here there are advancements in husbandry, uh, the nomadic herdsmen, you know, moving animals around to have different grazing spots for the good of the animals and the good of the land, not to overwork the land and so on. Uh, There's advancements in the arts, you know, flute and lyre. There's advancements in technology with new tools being invented with bronze and iron and so on. And yet as humanity advances in civilization, it actually regresses in sin. Because not only did Lamech take two wives in verse 19, which was against the created order, Adam and Eve, one of each. Look at verse 23. Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice. Wives of Lamech, pay attention to my words, for I killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain is to be avenged seven times over, then Lamech is to be avenged 77 times. He Lamech murders like Cain, but unlike Cain, he now boasts about it. And what's more, this is a young man, we're told, a teenager in our terms, and the teenager only wounded him. And this is over-the-top revenge. It's 77 times over the top. And yet Lamech justifies it by saying, well, look, if Cain is to be avenged seven times, then Lamech is to be avenged 77 times. That's why it's okay that I killed this guy for only wounding me. 
And again, is this not a picture of our world where people justify their wrongdoing? Whether by saying, look, oh, everyone else is doing it, uh, or fudging on the tax returns during COVID because, you know, it's only taking from the government, it doesn't hurt anyone. Or, you know, they deserved that after the comment they made about me on Facebook or whatever. And as our world progresses in civilization, does it not also regress in sin? Even in our lifetime, I think we've seen it. Well, I say our, like I'm your age. Okay, my lifetime and your lifetime. I mean, just think of the internet. What an advancement. Lots of good has come from the internet, like online church and Zoom and so on. Uh, But can you imagine life without it? Can you, actually? (laughs) I don't know if you can. Because almost every good advancement of humanity that's come from the internet, there's also come more opportunity for sin. So with the internet has come all sorts of sins like junk mail. No, I'm joking. (laughs) More seriously, uh, scams that prey on the elderly. Uh, Some of my people at my church have been caught by that. Internet pornography, which warps people's sexuality or those who stalk others unknowingly, can you imagine how much less sin there would be in the world without the internet? You see, because humanity is ruled by sin, that's what we're seeing in this chapter, then our good advancements are often corrupted and we actually regress into more sin. So neither Cain nor his descendants, including humanity, with all our achievements and advancements, are able to strike the serpent's head. Deal with sin. Get us back to God, to the garden. And so what hope is there? Well, from God. Final point in verse 25. Adam was intimate with his wife again. She gave birth to a son and named him Seth. For she said, God has given me another offspring in place of Abel since Cain killed him. A son was born to Seth also, and he named him Enosh. At that time, people began to call on the name of the Lord. Now notice what word Eve starts with this time. Not I, but God. And notice it's not I have acquired a man, It's God has given me an offspring. Offspring, the same word that was used in chapter 315 for the one who would strike the serpent's head, do you remember? And notice what happens then? People begin to call on the name of the Lord. You see, hope comes from God by his grace given through the offspring he chooses. Of course, you'll see next week that Seth is not the offspring to strike the serpent's head because he cannot defeat death. Rather, as you know, the promised offspring is Jesus. In fact, Luke traces the line from Joseph, I think on the next slide in Luke's gospel. He was the son of Joseph, or so it was thought, and Luke traces it backwards from Joseph through Seth to Adam and to God. Not that Jesus is God's offspring, but he is the one God graciously gives. 
The one who comes from outside humanity to be born as a woman's offspring into humanity. And that's Christmas, isn't it? But unlike humanity, sin does not rule over Christ. But Christ rules over it and deals with it by dying on the cross, paying for our sin in our place. And by doing so, he defeats the devil. He lands that knockout punch and offers us a way to be set free from sin's rule and Cain's humanity. You know, where we uh, sin more and more to become part of a new humanity, God's family, where we live under God's loving rule and can sin less and less. And we can find peace and contentment in life now, with life eternal to come later in God's perfect paradise, the garden, the new creation. But only if we believe in Jesus. For if you believe in Jesus, and as Paul puts it on the next slide um, from uh, Romans, get the next one, Romans chapter 6, just have a look at the, uh, you can't see the whole, oh, the whole thing's bold. Uh, just from the uh, parentheses, um, and you'll have to uh, kind of guess what's behind the Zoom people. It says, you have been set free from sin, from the rule of sin, where we can't please God, and have become instead slaves of God. And that means the benefit we reap leads to holiness, sinning less and less. And the result is eternal life for us who believe. I don't know everyone in this room. I certainly don't know everyone on Zoom. And so can I ask, do you believe? And for us who do, then first we are to live like it. We are to live as those who are no longer ruled by sin. As Paul puts it at the start of the passage, which I think on the next slide I underlined a different bit, maybe. Uh, So if you go to the next, there we are, the top one. Uh, He says, just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity, to ever-increasing wickedness, sinning more and more, regressing in sin, he says, no, you've been set free from that. So now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness, you know, less and less sin. We offer ourselves, our bodies, to live righteous lives, to grow more and more in godliness. So can I ask you, is there an area of your life where sin rules more than God? Perhaps with what you watch with your eyes, whether it's Netflix or Amazon or whatever else it is out there these days. Or perhaps with what, how you use your mouths and what you say to one another, to their face or even behind their back. Or perhaps with how you serve with your hands, you know, just yourself to get what you can out of life or others, your church. We are not to reflect the picture of Genesis 4 humanity that is ruled by sin because that's not who we are anymore. Rather, we have to reflect the new humanity in Christ. We've been set free from sin's rule and can now please God. And second and finally, we are to not boast in our own achievements or advancements like Eve did at the start. I have acquired, she said, but we are to continue to boast or rejoice in God's grace in Christ. Like Eve did at the end, God has given me. 
Now, there's nothing wrong with celebrating good exam results or a new job. They're good things to give thanks for, to rejoice over. But do they mean more to you than Christ? Part of the problem is we sometimes act like Cain and forget what our sin really deserves, which makes us dull to how amazing God's grace still is. Uh, Let me finish with this uh, story. I was reading a book, and I can't even remember the title of the book now, actually, uh, but a minister was speaking about one of his parishioners during the 1800s. Uh, The minister's still not alive, by the way. He was just, this is an old uh, biography. Uh, But the minister wrote this on the slide. So on the next slide, um, he said, I often, I've heard the cry out, this, Mrs. Richards is her name, Often I've heard her cry out in such language as the following, Oh, the wonderful, wonderful grace of God to such a poor, unworthy worm of the dust as I am. I am astonished to think it. I cannot but call upon everyone to praise and admire such rich and sovereign grace. She understood and remembered what we really deserve which helped her to rejoice in the wonderful, wonderful grace of God. Not to boast I have achieved, but to rejoice God has given. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this reminder of what humanity is like, ruled by sin. And we thank you so much for the hope we have in Christ where we are set free from sin's rule and can now live under your loving rule, pleasing you more and more. Help us to do this, we pray, and to always rejoice in your amazing grace that you have given. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.